Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for being here today. I hope your Sunday is turning out well and that this is a great way to start your week. So I'm hoping that you were able to listen to the show last week where we talked a lot about different types of dependencies and what happens if we do not have healthy dependency and if our dependencies are getting in the way of our growth, of our emotional development, of making sure that the relationship that we're depending on can go and in the in the right direction and be all that it was intended to be. We also recognize that a lot of the counterdependency or the independency, if we're not doing those correctly, have a tendency to really harm relationships, as does codependency. And so codependency is one of those really big topics that I want you to take very seriously because it does steal from your relationship and and from the way that you feel about yourself. So I want you to think about, in light of that, now let me just say, if you missed that show, make sure you go to your favorite podcast server because it will be on and you can listen to that show. We also have study guides that go with the shows that you can download. And we also have a new website. So I'm hoping that you've seen it. If you haven't, please check it out, Cynthia Hyatt. Dot com. It's, it just looks beautiful. I'm so amazed at my web designer, Christy Jane. She just did a great job with this website. So in light of last week's show about relationships and how those different dependencies create or ruin relationship, I want you to think about this idea. I want you to imagine what it would be like if everyone took care of themselves. If everyone really took good care of themselves, think of how much better we could care for those who really can't care for themselves. So I want you to think about that. What would it be like if everyone took care of themselves? And how much better we could care for those who can't. So think about how you can care for you and what a gift it is 
when you are willing to care for yourself. So I have to realize that my body truly has very few choices. And this was a revolutionizing thought for me. I struggled greatly with my body image. I had um, eating disorder majority of my life, and I really, that, that's what got me into being a psychotherapist. And so I've treated people with eating disorders for years and years, and I see what happens in our society when it comes to the focus on how we appear, how we look. And so through all that healing, through education, enlightenment from God, I, I realized that the body that God gave me truly has very few choices. And it chooses to live for me, no matter how poorly I treat it. And when I realize that this body doesn't even get to go to heaven, that this is the best life this body ever gets. And it was quite compelling to realize how much this body serves me, even when I mistreat it. And I don't know about you, but many times we don't really care about our bodies. We don't care for our bodies. We get angry at our bodies. We try to change our bodies. And, and this really helped me to recognize that, wow, you know, God did not consult me when he created this body for me to inhabit. He doesn't like it when I really disrespect his own work and won't take care of it. And that this body... The whole point of this body being created is to serve me. So imagine if the car you own is the only one you will ever have in your whole entire life. How much better would you take care of it? Or what if the house that you own is the only one you will ever have? I think you would probably care for it more. Imagine if the clothing that you're wearing right now is the only outfit you will ever get. I would imagine you would take very good care of it. So taking care of you is to make sure you are here to take care of the ones you love. Or the ones you love never have to stress and strain about how you are caring for you. And that if you do care for you that way, you're going to be able to take care of the ones that you love. And so this is a really important idea for us as we think about this idea of love. Because this is loving self. And self-love many times gets a really bad, you know, really bad rap. And I want you to think about the fact that we're not talking about self-love in a conceited way. We're not talking about self-love in a way that means that I'm indulging myself. It means that I'm truly loving the one that God made. I'm loving his creation. That's one of the ways that I honor God. So love is really what everything is about. And understanding how powerful love is, this is what's so imperative for our lives to work. So we have so many references for what love is, what love does, what, what it is made to do. But first and foremost, we have to remind ourselves that God tells us that love never fails. That's quite a statement. The hardest part for us as humans is to know how to love and how to love well and to know what love, quote-unquote, actually is. So it's so important 
that we know that love does not always feel good. Again, true love does not always feel good. See, the world is searching hard for love, marketing it, replacing it, selling it, explaining it, exploiting it, misrepresenting it. So what really is this thing called love? Well, that's why I wanted to do this show. I want you to think about what we talked about last week, that the different dependencies, if they're not done appropriately, are not loving. They end up hurting us, no matter how good we feel when we're doing those behaviors. It doesn't give us the life that God has designed us to have and the life that you want to have and need. So the world is searching so hard for love. And so I, I have this song that I, when I was in college, it was done by a band named Foreigner, so I'm really dating myself. It's called I Want to Know What Love Is. And so I wanted to kind of entitle this show is that. What is love? I want to know what it is. And so when we think about this, we want to go to the one true love that we know is love and where true love emanates. And God is love. He said, I am love. God is love. That's quite a statement to make. If I say Cynthia is a mistake-making person, that would be truthful. But God is saying God is love. He manifests it. He created it. He is it. So if he is it, and we know that he tells the truth, then the best way to actually experience true love is through him. So this is why I always am encouraging people to look, to search, to try, to explore spirituality. And to not just automatically write God off, because maybe our, our society has done this, this wrong in, in a way that you, that you don't agree with or like or, or actually you've had bad experiences with people. So what I want you to do is recognize that if God is saying he is love, I would recommend you challenge him on it. See, the reason it's so important to make the distinction between true love, not just love, is because we're taught and we experience many things that are called love. But as we become healthier, more truth-based people, we find out that what we might have originally considered love to be was, in fact, not love. And again, that's what last week's show was about, is that a lot of those behaviors, the codependency, the counterdependency, the interdependency, independency, just dependency, Many times those are well-intentioned, but they ruin relationships. So we often confuse healthy, corrective, and comfortable, painful love as abuse. And conversely, what feels so intense and pleasurable, we interpret as true love. I want you to think about that. I'm going to say that statement again. We often confuse healthy, corrective, uncomfortable, painful love as abuse or dislike, or mean. And conversely, what might feel so intense and pleasurable, we call true love. So think about a parent that is willing to take their child to the dentist and get a, a cavity filled. How painful is that? Even when you're, and when you're a kiddo, it's really painful. That would be true love. 
They are willing to endure pain because it's going to help you be a better person. And it's caring. So what does the world say about love? Well, depending on the context, it can be a lot of different varieties. But at times, the very existence of love is questioned. Some say it's false and it's meaningless. Some say it doesn't even exist. And there have been many instances of hatred and brutality in relationships in the name of love. And so the history of our world has experienced and witnessed many events that we would say are not loving. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about what love really is. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I so appreciate all of your comments on social media. They're so fun to look at and to, to just really reinforce what we're trying to do here on this show. So we're talking about love. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about what it really is and understanding how powerful love is. And we have, you know, that saying, love makes the world go round, Right. And so it's understanding what love is and what love isn't. And so I like, there's this one particular author, and I have yet to be able to find what his name is or her name. But this author says, depending on context, love can be of different varieties. But at times, the very existence of love is questioned. Some say it's false and meaningless. Some say it never exists. Because there are so many instances of hatred and brutality in relationships. The history of our world has witnessed many such events. There's been hatred between brothers, parents, and children. Sibling rivalry and spouses have failed each other. Friends have betrayed each other. The son has killed his parents for the throne, right? The count is endless. And even the modern generation is also facing such dilemmas every day. But love is not responsible for that. It is us, the people who have forgotten the meaning of love and have undertaken such gruesome apathy. That's really powerful. Love is not responsible for all this heartache. It's us, the people who've forgotten the meaning of love and have undertaken gruesome apathy. So I really like what this author says. And I like the last line when he says, love's not responsible for gruesome apathy or violence. Whatever ugly you have seen in this world, love is not. We are. This is because we're the people who have forsaken love. And this doesn't mean that we don't have a high emotionality when it comes to love. It means we have big feelings, but are we actually acting with love? So I googled... I want to know what love is. (laughs) And there's about 10 billion results. 10 billion. Now, when I did this show years ago, I had Googled it, and there was 571 million. This is 10 billion. So what does this tell me? Countries have been won and lost over love. 
And so this famous song by that, that old band back in the 80s, 90s, Foreigner, that song went on for pages and pages and pages on Google. And what it inspired, that song, what a pain-filled song. And we see in the famous song by the band Nazareth, right, which is in and of itself an interesting telling. So let's look at Foreigner. It says, in my life there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. I can't stop now. I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. I'm going to take a little time, a little time to look around me. I've got nowhere left to hide. It looks like love has finally found me. See, we see this tendency as human beings that no matter how much we've been hurt, we try again. We always try again. I tell clients repeatedly, this is not stupid to try it again. This is human. This is how humans are made. And we're made in the image of God, and he keeps trying. We can't stop loving. So isn't it comforting that God never stops trying and can't stop loving? So again, we're going to take a little time. A little time to think things over. We're going to figure it out. We're going to start again. So the most important thing you can do if you've been hurt is to take a little time. Take the time to heal. And then you can jump back in and love again. So we say to God, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. So this is very strong. And the band Nazareth wrote a song, and it called, it's called Love Hurts. And the, the lead singer is just wailing as he sings this song. And I'm sure God was honored and inspired by this song. The first lines certainly encapsulate in some ways what Christ must have been feeling when he came to earth as a baby, left his kingdom, his home, and his father as he experienced and saw the suffering of the creation, all in the name of love. So this band, Nazareth, says love hurts, love scars, love wounds, and marks. Any heart not tough or strong enough to take a lot of pain, take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud, holds a lot of rain. Love hurts. So think about this. Love hurts us. It scars us. It wounds us. And maybe it even mars us. And I'm not talking about, you know, masochism. We need to understand that true love, real love, will hurt sometimes. However, the hurt that is true, I'm going to say that again, the hurt that is true is always the thing that produces fruit and growth. Hurt resulting from dysfunction or foolishness or selfishness or narcissism only injures and harms. And that hurt needs time to heal. So what are some other songs that the world has expressed about love? Well, we have Always and Forever. When Will I Be Loved? I Only Have Eyes for You. You Light Up My Life. You Are the Sunshine of My Life. 
just the way you are. How about this one? With you, I'm born again. So what if we look at romance novels? We see the most enduring and popular themes continually reflect the story of Jesus. See, this hero comes to save, to rescue this character that's in bondage or distress or heartache. And the hero sees them for who they really are when no one else does. And the hero loves, lives, and dies, if necessary, for the main character. Then taking them out of hell, the hell they live in, he then lives with them in a beautiful kingdom, a kingdom with respect and no pain, stress, or bondage or hurt. See, what we see in that sacrifice then changes when we are willing to fearfully face ourselves in order to love well. When we are willing to endure pain, that produces gain. Because oftentimes dysfunctional, abusive relationships only produce pain in vain. So if I'm only surviving the pain, there may not be gain in the relationship. So it's important if you are in a relationship that is causing tremendous pain with no growth, you're just continuing to have to somehow heal and then go back to get beat up again. You can feel really committed. You can feel love for that person. But you have to make sure that all that hurt is causing strength, more hope, a greater ability to love, and more trust. If it's not, then what we would call it is toxic. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about what love really is. Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope this is setting you up for a good week. And we are talking today about love. Last week, we talked about dependencies and the different types of dependencies that we have in relationships and whether or not those types of dependencies strengthen the relationship or weaken the relationship. So I encourage you to go to your favorite podcast server and listen to the show on dependencies. And so I, ha- I ran across this um, quote that I really like, and it's from Shakespeare. And this is what he says. He says, love all, trust few, and do wrong to none. What, what a great edict. Love all, trust few, do wrong to none. So if you remember the shows we've done on intimacy, you know that we can love without having intimacy. But we can't have intimacy without love. So I can love a country across the ocean and feel pain when I know the predicament that they are in. And I might send money. I might um, even go over and help that country. But I'm not necessarily creating intimacy, but I am loving them. So I want you to recognize that it isn't all or nothing. I can love all of God's people. Doesn't mean I trust them all. But I want to make sure I don't wrong them. See, if I'm to do this, then I must look at relationships and the imminent pain that will be there 
and see the difference between a perfect person and a trustworthy person. So we know that there are no perfect people. I trust God implicitly because he's perfect. However, I do not, let me repeat, I do not trust humans implicitly. If I do, I will be very, very, very hurt very, very, very often. The difference is trustworthy people make mistakes. See, that's the operative word. Make mistakes. The difference is they care that they made a mistake. That's a trustworthy person. They usually feel worse than I do about what they've done. This is a trustworthy person. See, I'm going to make mistakes in my relationships. I will hurt people that I love. However, it truly bothers me. It wounds me. And when I know I've, re- I've transgressed someone that I love, it might even keep me awake at night. As a result, I'm going to do anything I can, anything and everything I can do to fix it as quickly as possible and really work toward never doing it again and to make sure that the person knows that I'm working on it that I'm going to rectify the issue as soon as possible and that I'm grateful for the grace and forgiveness that they're going to give me while I work it out. This is a trustworthy person versus an individual that wounds me, scars me, wounds me and mars me and continuously says they're sorry, but they never change. This is not a trustworthy person. You may feel good when you're with them sometimes, But they hurt, and if they hurt you, they're not willing to take responsibility for it and fix it or change. So they may say the words, I'm sorry, but you know nothing's changed, meaning that you have to be in charge of your own healing. You can't get it from them. So it's imperative that I have appropriate expectations on humans. So I want you to ask yourself, what do you think love is? Seriously, you know, as you're listening to this show or reading, you know, whatever it is that you're reading about love, I want you to ask yourself, what is love to me? What does love mean to you? What makes sense to you? What does it feel like to you? Because you see, everyone is unique. And we all fit into many human generalities, but many times the way we experience love is very different. So what makes you feel truly loved is very unique to you. So this is why people are so amazed when they find that one person that really works for them. See, there are billions of people on the planet. If it weren't an issue of originality and uniqueness, it would be easy to find someone that works. But instead, it feels like a miracle when you find the one person. So no matter how much they try and measure quantify, analyze how or why people fall in love. There are elements, but it's, it's really undefinable. So I really believe it's the element of uniqueness. It's that issue that I'm a one-time, originally occurring person. And finding the other one-time, originally occurring person, where all the dots and points connect, is truly a miracle. So this is why God is so amazing. He can be all things to all people. This is why we want to understand the most amazing people, the most amazing feeling for people is to be loved and liked at the same time. That's love. When I am loved by someone, but they also like me. 
Well, stay tuned. We have one more segment to go. I appreciate your time. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about this issue of love. And last week we talked about dependency and what form of dependency we may have in a relationship, wanting to make sure that it's a healthy dependency and that we know the difference between independency, interdependency, counterdependency, codependency, all these different dependencies. They all are emanating from a feeling of love. They just may not be healthy, a healthy version of love. So if we look at a preliminary definition of love, I want you to think about that, that this will be helpful to prepare the way for really understanding what we're trying to figure out here. So love is this heartfelt affection of a Christian in response to the true love of God. Now, if we are thinking about it from person to person, then it's like we talked about earlier in the show, that love actually wants to learn who you are so they can love you in a way that is meaningful to you. And that is true love. So when we think about this idea of how are we loving someone, you'll understand better, am I loving them and liking them at the same time, which usually means I'm in love with them. Or do I just like the person, but, you know, if they needed help, I might say, mm, I'm a little busy. But what if I really love someone and don't like them at all? Well, we have lots of people that we may love and not like. And I want you to be really proud of yourself if you're willing to continue loving them. So loving someone that you don't like means that you probably won't be able to have intimacy because intimacy requires trust. And if I don't like the person that I love, and many times what you'll find is this is family members, this might be neighbors, this might be coworkers, that, you know, you would help them out if they, you know, if they, you'd rescue them from a burning building, but you might not want to go to lunch with them, right? You might not want to be on a date with them. So thinking about this idea of love, I want you to think about how you can do a new beginning in many of your relationships. Because you may have gone into the relationship thinking that it was going to be one way, and you found out that, you know what, I don't think it's going to work out that way. So instead of doing all or nothing, I want you to think about ways that you may be able to redo or really rethink that relationship versus just exiting the relationship. So a new beginning means that it's going to be hopefully better than what it was before. Hopefully, we're going to think about this idea that makes us be a better person, especially because of the effort of trying. So it may not always work, but I want to encourage you to see if there are relationships in your life, and usually we're doing this with family, that really you want to salvage, but you're not sure how you can make it work. Then what I want you to consider is that it may be one of those relationships that are loving, 
but maybe you don't like them. So the type of intimacy is not that real congenial, wow, we're so close, we can just look at each other and know what each other's thinking. It may be a love that says, I value that person because maybe they're family. I value that person because of how hard they've worked in their life and it's benefited me. But you may not want to be the best friend, right? So when we're thinking about this idea of what kind of love you have and what kind of love you are trying to have and that you realize that this idea of care is the greatest way that you love. If I care for someone, I love them. If I'm honest with someone, I love them. So this, this is imperative as we look at what happens when we are trying to love and it's not possible because there aren't enough dots connecting with that person. Well, we're going to end up getting a lot of emotional baggage, right? And so that emotional baggage means I feel guilty for the way I feel about this person, but I don't know what to do about it and I can't get out of it. And so when you think about what emotional baggage is, this is like a leftover effect of painful experiences. And we attributed certain meaning to it. We create a story about it. It's a wound. It's a scar. And it still has energy in it. So this happens many times in families. This happens in friend groups. This happens at work. You know that you don't feel close enough to the person to actually work it out, but you have to interact with them. So emotional baggage is this unresolved wound which is ready to be opened, just like your luggage is stuffed, and all you have to do is that one click and it pops open and, and everything flies out. And so it has a trigger response. It's a reflexive you know, issue, just like the stove is hot and so I jerk my hand away and I avoid being burned. So this is where we want to say to ourselves, maybe I need to reorganize how I feel about that particular person and recognize that I can forgive myself, I can forgive them for knowing that no matter how much we want to have that type of relationship, it's probably not going to happen with us. And that doesn't mean that we're failing. It doesn't mean that we're mean people or selfish people. It means that we don't have enough in common to be able to have true intimacy. And when we've talked about intimacy before, we know that we have to have a similar intelligence, similar Um, lifestyle, background, we also have to have a similar ambition. And so there's a lot of things that go into intimacy. If we don't share the same value system, we're not going to be able to have intimacy. So every time I try to have intimacy with someone that I can't, I end up creating more woundedness and shame for us both. So that doesn't mean that I'm mean, standoffish, or rejecting. It means I can honor this person by being very polite, kind, understanding, forbearing, right? And I can remind myself that this is temporary. I'm not living with this person. If I am, well, that may be another show that we're going to do, right? So it's imperative that you understand, if I don't work through this, 
then every time I see this person, I'm going to have emotional baggage. I'm going to have trauma responses. I'm going to act irrationally. And I'm going to feel worse about myself because of what happened. Now, the adult part of my brain, which we have talked about many times, is really imperative to understand that it is the prefrontal lobe. It's right behind your head, right, right behind your forehead. And the way that we find that adult part of us is to breathe. And when we breathe, we get really recentered and find ourselves back in that adult part of us and not in that limbic system, which tells us that we're being attacked, that we need to fight back. So this emotional baggage really does occur when we experience that hurt within some relationship that we assumed was safe and it was not able to be resolved or dealt with. And so we might internalize those negative feelings and develop fears that we might not even be aware of. So those negative feelings and those fears may cause me to show up in another relationship a lot more guarded. And these fears and negative emotions seem to trigger negative or irrational thoughts and behaviors. So then the behaviors have this negative impact on this new relationship. So instead of protecting what you, what you have you know, from the original hurtful experience, you end up bringing those hurts to this new relationship. And this is when it makes it very complicated and we end up then feeling really bad about ourselves, which steals from our confidence, right? So every time we avoid, we run away from, we refuse to embrace and press into that area that says, I need to resolve this, or it's going to impact the rest of my relationships. So one of the things that I, I talk to people frequently about in my office is this idea of how close and how far do I need to make sure someone is in my life in order for me to be the best version of me. So there are some people that I can hold really close. We have similarities. We have the same value system, probably similar intelligence, similar, similar energy in some ways. And so there are very few things that are, we're probably going to snag on. So I can relax a lot with those people. Then maybe three rings out. I have people that, that are in my life because of my work, <clears throat> excuse me, in, because of where I live, maybe my church. And so there are some people that maybe I don't really click with, but how do I truly love them? What are my expectations on them? Because if I'm expecting to get along with everybody, I'm going to let myself down and them. So every time I avoid or run away from these things. I'm going to end up feeling worse. And I'm going to end up repeating much of that behavior. See, the emotional work that God wants to do within us, he wants us to have freedom in relationship, not to walk around avoiding quote-unquote landmines that maybe previous relationships have planted. See, the directive here is the need to be people of courage that are willing to heal. That means I've faced the pain of past relationships. So as to go on and experience the completeness that maybe God has for me. And not as people that merely survive pain, 
you know, hoping it just never happens again. But rather, I heal from the pain, and I'm no longer afraid or tentative or trepidatious or suspicious or cautious so that I can love wisely and fully. And I'm able to withstand the hurts that are inevitable in every human relationship. See, that we're no longer bound by the sins of the past or the hurts of the past. But that we're able to love freely, passionately, realistically, maturely. So I want you to recognize what your triggers are. What triggers that fight, flight, or freeze? And how do you help yourself? Well, you acknowledge the emotion. I don't want you to shame yourself for how you feel. I want you to understand that it's normal in so many ways. And you allow yourself to feel the emotions that you keep pushing deep down inside. And you find closure. You go through the grief and loss process that we've talked about so many times on this show so that we better accept what has occurred. And we are then more confident going into future relationships. So that we don't have to feel like we're always apologizing for something. See, God wants to do this new thing. And this is what he says. He builds a road right through the ocean. He carves a path through pounding waves. He summons horses and chariots and armies. He says, forget what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. God is doing something brand new. He says, it's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. And he says, wild animals will say thank you. I provide water in the desert and rivers through the sun-baked earth. This is what God is going to do for us repeatedly and continuously. Thank you for listening today. I hope that God really shows up in a way that makes so much sense to you and that you embrace the fact that you are a person deserving of love and are able to love. Have a wonderful week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-